Uh, hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Joining me today, she is the host and producer of Homestand Sports. It's Nora Zenab. How are you? I'm good, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me. I can't wait to. This is the best time to talk basketball and Raptors yeah. basketball. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, we've obviously had a very uh, kind of historic week here trading Pascal Siakam. We're going to get into all of it. But first, I've just ordered <laughs> on Uber Eats the uh, Siakam Swirl uh, McFlurry. I'm going to open this here for our YouTube audience. We need an unboxing. An yeah, unpacking. getting the official unboxing. I only, I only ordered the McFlurry. I only ordered it snack size and it ended up costing me just under uh, $13 because <laughs> of the fees. Oh. And like, you know, we were just saying, um, you know, before we started recording, oh, it's a little cute Raptors cup. It's so cute. It's like a puppuccino size almost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's that small, but it's cute. Yeah. You know, we were saying like, you know, I should have ordered more, like I could have gotten a whole combo and saved myself on the fees, but you know, like this alone is like 500 calories. <laughs> and for context, that's the size of my hand. This that's is the size of my hand and this is the size of the That's crazy. It's going to taste good though. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to try this. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna eat it the whole podcast, everyone. Just FYI, I'm just gonna have this one bite and then I'll let it slowly melt while we finish the episode, and then I'll enjoy the rest of it later. It's like that's what it looks like in the inside. I don't know if we can see here. Is it like strawberry? Oh my god, I'm so glad that ice cream didn't fall on my uh, thing. It's red <laughs> uh, on my laptop. Uh, it's like red Smarties. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, what's the flavor? So Smarty. McFlurry-ish, eh? It's red Smarties and um, it's crunchy and like a fudge oh, yeah. swirl. Oh, this is like ASMR, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> the crunch. It's, good. Like, it's really good. I'm tingling in the brain. I'm like, is it bedtime? <laughs> you know what? It's really good. Cute. It's very sweet. It's very smarty forward. <laughs> what am I, an Iron <laughs> Chef? What am I, an Iron <laughs> Chef, the way I'm describing this? It's got notes of... <laughs> you're our food critic yeah i'm the food critic and, um and you said it was like the they're selling it out as well right yeah so i tried um i was gonna order it on skip the dishes and then it said sold out and then i ordered it off of uber eats i don't know if um it was just sold out for today because everyone was buying it or if it's like sold out sold out so no one's paying me for this promotion. I just really wanted <laughs> to try it. Um, yeah, it's good. It's very smarty forward. At least my first bite was. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll do this again with like Scotty or something. The cup is really cute. I like the cup. Yeah, it is really cute. I love the, the little rapid. basketball too. Yeah, very, yeah. very cute. I mean, now you got RJ Barrett for Osmo. So maybe we'll have to oh, do yeah. like an Osmo's unboxing oh or something. Do you think RJ like fully came to Toronto being like, yo, I'm the next Osmo's Raptor? Like move I'm aside, thinking, Norm Powell. Know, Cause like Catherine, you gotta wonder if you're coming to Toronto, who are you going to want to have as a sponsor? Like what, what else is there outside of Osmo's that is like really Toronto that you, that you like associate with Toronto too. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, and I think it's Osmos. Yeah, because you're not going to be right? like, hey, Emmanuel, quickly, have you thought about getting uh, a, a domain name on GoDaddy? Like that's, not <laughs> 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 like, that's not the open gym clip, you know? Or even like, yeah. have you tried this Gillette, like this smooth? <laughs> <laughs> what about that little hand gesture they always do <laughs> for the smooth shape? <laughs> Oh my god, OG's was the worst, but the best. Worst, but yes. the best. His Gillette commercials are fantastic. But no, I think it fits. And, I, and he's Saga's very own as well. Like Saga is known for their shawarma and their Osmos. So I'm surprised. Um, no, I mean, because he's because he is Mississauga, he could have gone Paramount. That's true too. Because because isn't because isn't Par Paramount's from Mississauga? Osmos, I think, I think so. is from Toronto. I can't really. That. I. I, is Osmo's yeah, also no from Mississauga? Could be. I personally, I I'm under the impression that it might be. I I think it originated in the GTA for sure. I'm not sure if it was Saga itself, but I it, it must be Saga. 
Like if there's Laziz and Osmos that I knew of, we're having shawarma offs right now. <laughs> Think about it. That's our like, next which came test. first? Next yeah. Test. Which came first? Well, we'll ask RJ. RJ pretty much knows everything about the Osmos industry at this point, so maybe he'll have That's answers. So for us. I mean, to me, it's to me, it's like it's Osmos for convenience, but Paramount yeah, is like really good. No, Paramount's fantastic. Osmos, I haven't had. I'm not gonna. Can I slander? You guys aren't sponsored by like Osmos or anything. No, I'm not sponsored by anyone. In the name fantastic. of 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 EJ, <laughs> okay. Podcast fantastic. is unsullied by sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will just remove like some footage after if we need to. But for now, we can say whatever. Um, Osmos is trash. Osmos, I'm not sure what RJ is on. Oh. I'm not sure what he's having in New York. Um, maybe the shawarma industry isn't that booming in New York that you miss all You think all New York would have good shawarma, but maybe not. You would. You, I think of all places, like if you think about the states, which state would have the best shawarma? New yeah, York. Not New York. Yeah, right? But then you got to wonder, New York versus Toronto. No, Toronto's probably better. Yeah. And you know Toronto what? Montreal, has... better bagels. Sorry, New York. That's true. Actually, you know what? Also, I used to live in Ottawa. I did my, my university there. I'm not going to lie. They might have the best shawarma. Mm. Ottawa, yeah, I've heard that about have, Ottawa. I've heard that about Ottawa. And Ottawa is not like, they don't have like, you know, your Lizzie's, your Osmos. They're not here with your their franchise chains and stuff. They just have their mom and pop shops and every single one you go to, you get it for under. I remember I used to order a $15 plate in the morning during my exams. And that will last me until dinner because wow. it came with a huge plate of rice, salad, tons of chicken, pita, garlic, potatoes, and you're just munching on it all day. And it costs you 15 bucks. Nowadays, you go to uh, Osmos and you'll get maybe a salad for 20 bucks. Honestly, so for a second there, I thought you were going to go full Alibaba, but you did it. You went, <laughs> you went mom and pop chain, Ottawa. I appreciate it. Listen, I'm pretty sure we're just subconsciously killing time because of the inevitable. <laughs> We should probably jump into some basketball talk here. Well, seven <laughs> minutes into the podcast, maybe we should talk about basketball. Uh, oh, listen, okay. everybody knows Pascal Siakam has officially been traded to the Indiana Pacers. We're recording this Thursday, uh, early evening, around four o'clock. You're gonna for the YouTube uh, viewers, you're gonna see the background slowly go from sunny to dark here uh, in my apartment, at least as the hour progresses. Yeah, mine too. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, we had the whole shock and official confirmation of the news yesterday. We saw Masai Ujiri's uh, press conference today. Uh, highly recommend, you know, because assuming, you know, every, Raptors are public people. We're all pretty diehards. Really recommend watching this press conference in full. He had a lot to say. Um, he was emotional at one point, like very visibly emotional at one point. I mean, I know that's going around on Twitter, but it's, it's nice to see the whole context of the situation too. Um, but yeah, you know, this was an emotional trade for the franchise. Uh, let's talk about the trade itself first, and then we'll get into the Maasai stuff. How do you feel about this deal, Nor? It's tough. Um, cause if you look at it just from the rapper's point of view, I think, I think it's really underwhelming. It's almost disappointing because of what you're getting back for a guy like Pascal Siakam. And I, I just want to kind of compare it to OG Ananobi, right? Where mm -hmm. um, he was in the same position as Pascal, where they were both in the rumors all year long. And maybe OG was treated a little bit better by the front office. That's, we don't know those things. So I'm not going to speculate on that as well. But um, what you got for OG Ananobi was, I mean, I think that was, um, I don't want to say it was an overkill, but it was a lot. You got a yeah. ton of offense back for him. RJ and IQ put together, gave you more offense with OG, Malachi, and Precious put together. And already you're seeing how well that looks for your offense. So I was so happy with what we got from, uh, for OG. And at the same time, I was like, OG is not the player that Pascal is. So the fact that you're able to get RJ and IQ back for OG I just couldn't fathom only getting three first round picks back for Pascal and then Bruce Brown, which I know to an average fan, anybody out there going to be like three first round. That's amazing. Like that's your future. You're set for life now. It's fantastic. But how often are those picks going to amount to something? And we know our scouting department, like I trust them. They were the same guys that drafted Pascal, Fred VanVleet, OG, you know, um, even Scotty, like everybody. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we've heard rumors that this is not the best draft class either. And uh, it's, it's just banking a lot on the unknown. 
and yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's tough. It's, it's at the same time too. We don't know after Messiah's conference, like we talked about this before too. I was ready to be like, front office is a problem. Like we got to talk about this. They had a full year and then Messiah gets on and gets personable and charismatic and you like him again. And then you're like, and then, you know, the other part of it too, I think, which a lot of people haven't discussed. And again, it's because these people are never on camera. They never have to answer questions is our Messiah's bosses, right? I'm sure he mm -hmm. was under a lot of pressure um, from the MLSB, from the, his own ownership in, uh, in winning. And there's a, th the fact for me always was that the past couple of years, uh, you know, when after the Raptors had ended their championship run, it was very obvious that they have to go towards a rebuild route and just find something new. But and I think Messiah wanted that because Messiah had told, um, you know, people prior that he wants a blank slate, like he wants to work with something new and he wants to make a product of his own. And uh, I don't think he would be able to do that with the Raptors because the ownership is going to want a product that's going to give them profit. And a rebuilding product is just not going to give them profit like that. So yeah, you got to think about those things behind the scenes as well. I mean, I think you made a lot of great points there. I mean, first, you know, initial reactions to the trade itself. I agree. I do think it is a bit underwhelming. Uh, three first round draft picks, uh, you know, they do sound good, but they are all projected to be, I would say, in the teens. Like yeah. the odds of any of those picks becoming a top 10 would be quite rare. Um, so you just don't know who you're going to get when you're, you know, outside of that, frankly, really outside of the top five. And even then it's like the draft is always a bit of a crapshoot. And that's why, you know, so many podcasts will like redraft different years and different things like that. Cause it, it is hard to get it right. You know, I, I do feel like in some respects and, and Miss, I didn't say this, but it's kind of like the old Fred Van Vliet, like bet on yourself kind of thing. Right. In a lot of ways, I feel this deal is right. Like he's betting that he can either find the right people, you know, diamonds mm -hmm. in the rough, so to speak, just like Pascal was and Fred was and Norm and so many of our other players that have done great things um, or that he could trade them. Right. That he could trade these picks for something else in return that will be valuable to us right away. Um, so yeah, I do feel like in some respects, this is a bet on yourself situation. Uh, I want to know what you think. Uh, this is how I feel. I want to know if you agree or not that I feel like this trade happened yesterday or, you know, on Wednesday, because I feel like the Raptors were losing leverage. Like, I think there's a reason this didn't happen on trade deadline day. And I think that's because they were losing leverage by the day. And that's why it had to happen now. Otherwise, there would be even less of a return. I completely agree. I think actually they were losing leverage since last trade deadline. And right. if you look at it now, I like I think this is the best offer available in January 2024. But if you look back for the year when you know Siakam was in the true trade rumor mill constantly, week after week, there was definitely something better at that point. And I think the rappers might have, um, even last summer, prior to Fred Van Liet walking, I think they were, they were kind of baking on themselves to either keep this core together and give them one last push, or, um, I don't know, just like seeing what would happen, um, you know, beyond the trade deadline in the offseason, as Masai had mentioned before, where he was like, you know, trade deadline is not where all this stuff happens. It's also the offseason. So yeah. I think they were baking on that. And then when they saw Fred walk, I, I don't know if they were expecting it. Maybe they thought he might sign. Maybe they thought that maybe they had an understanding. I'm not too sure. But I think watching him walk and then watching him walk for free, like he just left and we yeah. got absolutely nothing back. It really maybe gave them a, a shock that, okay, well, we've got two guys now who are expiring next year in OG and Pascal. We got to make things happen. Like that. at this point, no matter what it is, we have to do it. And Again, I'm not sure what stopped them in the summer. I'm not sure what happened all year. And I think uh, at that point, maybe they're looking for players because it seemed like they were prioritizing players even for OG, like getting, again, getting RJ, getting IQ back. It seemed like they were pushing to 
you know, be in that rebuild, but also have uh, people next to Scotty immediately who they can see as talent, not to go and draft the talent. Mm -hmm. But Yakum, I think, was going to be obviously your best bet, if not to get talent, then to get tons of picks for the future and see what happens. And again, like you mentioned, like there's there's so much risk involved with that. But if there's one front office that I would trust to give us the proper, you know, scouting department and get us the proper picks, it would be the Raptors. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you know, it's interesting because, you know, this time last year, I had this feeling that like, you know, this team isn't working out. This isn't working. I think we all felt that frustration a year ago, but I wasn't pro blowing it up. Right. And I feel like it's more in hindsight that I feel like, oh, we should have done these moves a year ago than I actually felt this time a year ago. And I have to own that because I'm on the record. I do this podcast every week, right? Like, I can't just sit here and act like, you know, oh, I was saying this, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I wasn't, there's right? Receipts. Yeah. I, there's receipts. There's too many receipts, you know, <laughs> uh, deep in the archives here. So, you know, I can't sit here and pretend that that's what I thought. But yeah, you know, like they said, they didn't want draft picks. They could have gotten rumored that they could have gotten three first round draft picks for OG last year. You yeah. know, very happy with how this trade has worked out now that it's, you know, that it's done. But it was just interesting to me that they got three first round draft picks for Siakam after it was said that that's not what they wanted. So that was kind of like one thing that I didn't feel was like totally addressed in like the Maasai press conference today. Um, at least not that specifically. Like he kind of, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we could segue to that. Like he sort of alluded to like, you know, these decisions were really hard and if you want to say these are mistakes, fine, but like, this isn't how we feel or how we felt at the time. And, you know, it, it was, it was very interesting. I mean, there's, there were a lot of points there. I, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 please continue. I love hearing you talk. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. No, it's just like, it was, you know, yesterday I was like, you know, I don't love this trade. Um, this was the best we could do. Um, I kind of assumed we would be trading Bruce Brown right away. Like, I don't, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be uh, surprised. Sorry. My ringer was on for the Uber eats. I never do that. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, that could still happen. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, like he said, Masai said, there's definitely more trades that could happen between now and the end of the trade deadline. I would suspect Boucher is a part of that. Um, I, that would be my first guess. I, I would, Maybe even Yaka Pertle, um, age-wise, yeah. they're on a different timeline. Um, yep. And if we're going younger, I feel like those guys would be next. You know, Thaddeus Young, Otto Porter, Garrett Temple, I don't know what trade value they would have at this point. So I think those are going to be our quote-unquote veterans of this team that stay on our bench. And hopefully they play. Like, like why aren't these guys playing? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Like, to me, I'm like, can we just play Otto Porter Jr.? It's probably his last year in the NBA. Like, just play <laughs> the guy. Just play him. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I, I just think, like, yeah, there's probably more trades to happen. But the, today was the day I felt more sentimental, weirdly enough. And I think the Maasai yeah. press conference had a lot to do with that um thoughts yeah no i could be a rambling day girl same here completely same here i it's so tough too because you know what like as we said we're looking at it from the rapper's point of view and you're like okay we know pascal siakam we know how good he is we know what he can get us like this is kind of undervaluing what who he is as a player so and in that way we're completely justified to feel that way but i was thinking about it i'm like if you think if you look at the side of the pacers though and maybe any other team out there who would have wanted to get Pascal Siakam on their, on their roster. The thing that was holding them back was obviously the fact that he was in rumors all year long. So you're uh -huh. thinking like, what kind of a guy is he in the locker room? Like, is he a good leader? Like how can he provide um, help to a team? And I would blame the front office there entirely because they helped bring his value down. So they're kind of reaping their rewards of what they sowed and it's not his fault. But on the other side as well, I think if, there was if there was truth to the rumors that pascal's agent had told teams such as the hawks that he would not be re-signing with them then if you look at the pacers who are a very young team they have tyrese halliburton who's their rising star mm -hmm. they have him surrounded by all these young guys in um in walker in matherin in nembard um, miles turner being one of their best centers 
um, you wonder like they're kind of gave, you know they're banking in on this year being the one with Pascal Siakam because they gave up three first round picks that could have gone towards their future mm-hmm. and they could that could have helped build this young team next to Terry Halliburton but Siakam doesn't really fit the timeline of that team either I think he fits the team super well but the team is kind of mm. very young and he's still again like they're super lucky that he's not the average you know late 20 year old like he's He's fast, he's agile, he can move around, he can cover the court. Like, he's so good with that, so he can keep up with the, the likes of Tyrese, Matherin, no problem. But at the same time, you're like, if you're the Pacers, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to give up three first-round picks. You better not be a three-month rental. So to us, doesn't sound like much, but to a team like them, it still might be a lot because they're young and three first-round picks to that, to, again, who might be a rental, I, I'm, I'm assuming at this point that there's some level of like, I don't know, you know, agreement that yes, Siakam will sign the off season. Siakam will be there. They have a good uh, rapport with Tyrese Halliburton and stuff. So maybe that there is some level of indication that there is a future brewing for, for both of them, but there's no certainty. And because of that, you're like, maybe the Pacers uh, also are in a spot where, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, that's true. It would be huge for them if he left. Like, that would be brutal. But, uh, you know, sometimes I'm always surprised to learn that, like, certain players are friends. Like, I was like, oh, when did Tyrese Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siaka become friends? Like, when did that happen? Like, what? I'm like, you guys on resort were they hanging out at? Yeah. (laughs) Like, when did that happen? Like, I'm like, I haven't seen him in their photo dumps on Instagram. What? I mean, I guess they don't really have to show everything, every part of their life, but still. Yeah, it was like when when Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler were like, oh, we're like really close friends and I want to go. It was like, oh, yeah, like, like when? Like, cool, but when? (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like what did that like yeah. I, like what did I, I i consumed so much nba content i'm like what did i miss um really? but yeah was, I, I was i was dumbfounded yeah i think the odds of him siding with them are good i mean that was the whole thing with sacramento right like like sacramento had rumors for wanting to trade for him but then they found out that he wasn't likely to resign so they backed out of that deal um so yeah, I think from the Pacer side of things, this looks really good. And in terms of like, you know, you're mentioning age and timeline, I think, you know, Halliburton has like leaped forward in ways that they didn't probably didn't necessarily expect to happen this fast. So the fact that it has happened this fast, they're just immediately doubling down on it. And I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that they're true. just going for it because I think like, you know, we have our top teams in the East, but I don't think anything is a foregone conclusion, you know, and and if the, if the bracket breaks right for you, you can make a deep run and I'm really excited for them. And I'm actually really excited for New York also. And I I haven't said that in a really long time. (laughs) I know. I was like, I was telling my friends, I was like, yeah, you know what? Like I got the Pacers now. I got the Knicks now. I still, I'm still a Kawhi Norm girl. So I still like the Clippers as well. So I'm like, yeah, I got a, I got a bunch of teams out there and they're like Knicks. New York, like so, Dolan's, James Dolan's Knicks. And I'm like, oh, gee, I don't know. What the hell do you want me to do? Not support him? <laughs> so you're a Clippers fan. Because I was like really in my feelings yesterday <laughs> and today. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, you know, like like the Clippers. This is totally off topic from our thing. But like the the Clippers have their best chance to win a championship this year. Maybe mm-hmm. ever. Maybe ever. This is their This year is their best shot, I think. You know, take a shot every time you've said that though about the Clippers that this year could be the year. This no. year is the year they could have put it together. In the in the Chris Paul Blake Griffin years, I didn't think they would go all the way. No, oh, no. I, I maybe I was just like a Chris Paul apologizer, and I love Blake Griffin <laughs> anyway, so I just had to go. I thought they were they were a really fun team, but I never yeah. considered them like a potential favorite. Yeah. But, you know, they figured out this whole James Harden thing and they look really good. I was trying to I was trying to figure out, would I be happy if they won a championship? You would be happy. I was trying to I was I was was in my feelings as a Raptors fan and I was trying to figure this out. Would I be happy if they won a championship? And I, I, you know, it was like it was it was a lot of mixed emotions for me. It wasn't it wasn't a straight. Yes. Do you haven't got an answer yet? You don't know. You still don't know. (sighs) Well, 
it's only my fault that I'm bitter, right? <laughs> like, it's no one else is, like, you know, when Kawhi left, I was very, like, you know, he doesn't owe us anything, blah, blah, blah. But I was also, like, if you stayed, we would have repeated. We would have gone yeah. back to back, blah, blah, blah. Firmly believe that, you know, I'll I'd wait. be happy for Norm. Yeah. You know, like, my... <laughs> I've I was I know it's a it's a tough spot because I think the Clippers for me always especially Steve Bomber they've always just been a spot where I'm like it's easy to hate it's really easy to not like almost like the Boston Celtics you know like they've always just kind of been like that where you're like yeah just it's you don't like them there's just a team that you just don't like and their Clippers were always irrelevant because they were like little bros of like the Lakers and stuff right so you just never really cared about them either uh, but I was always a Kawhi fan like I was a Kawhi fan prior to the Raptors um, when he was okay. with the Spurs and when he was like a, def a defense guy he was right under Tim Duncan and um, I remember his early days when he could barely shoot and he was just there to be like the defender on the floor to the point where my first uh, my cat I got my cat seven eight years ago eight years ago and uh, I named him Kawhi and he was still Aww. with the Spurs at that point yeah and actually a year later Kawhi came to the Raptors and I was like, did I do this? Like, am I a witch? You did, did do I? That. that is you. That isn't Messiah at all. That huh. I'm like that. I'm like, I think I put it in the universe and something brought it together. I'm like, I, I don't thank me, but like, thank me. You know, I think I did. I have, I have parts in it. So I, I always was a Kawhi fan. And I, and getting him here, the way we lost Demar was, it was such a hard pull to swallow. Because as mm. his, as you know, Kawhi's biggest fan, and as someone who loved Damar, but knew that Damar might not be the guy to take us over the hump, it still was a very bittersweet pull to swallow to be like, shit, I gotta say goodbye to Damar. And then I gotta welcome my new guy, and he might be leaving here a year, a year later, might not even play because he hasn't played a year. Um, so it was, it was super tough. And Anyway, now I'm rambling. Fast forward to now, I just have always loved Kawhi, so I couldn't let that go. I love Norm. Norm was my favorite. Whenever I want to cry, I look at his uh, Players Tribune letter, and mm. I immediately just, you know, tear up. And uh, James, Paul George, I used to not like him, and recently I've come, I've come around as well. And the whole team itself, I think it just made sense to me because they had a plethora of shooters, but they also had guys who could defend super well. Like, you have Two of the best defenders in the league in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like, they're defensive player of the years, which is just crazy to say a 2 on one team. And for me, I just thought that they were missing a, a point guard, a ball handler, someone that could pass first. And when James Harden became available, people were all like, no, 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 no. Like, we don't want him. I don't want him here. I don't want him there. And I get it. Like, he's a culture – he's a he's a bit of a culture – mesh it takes a little while for him to come along with your team but it's hard for presence with yeah. harden yeah like locker room stuff like i understand that did we he ever figure out what it. lcbo he's gonna be signing autographs at i don't think so i don't think he ever specified we're just gonna have know. to go to every single one i don't know have a do we have any people at our? I hope to. to I hope to God he's at a LCBO in like Hamilton or something. Like just something <laughs> so far. And then he goes to like Barry LCBO. Yeah, he's at the Barry LCBO, and everyone's like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, I'm like, "Excuse me, are you a hockey player?" No. <laughs> but I, I just thought like he's he's always been such a good pass for his first guy, um, and just him plugging in with Kawhi and Paul George with guys who are so efficient, they always get their shots off. It's perfect. I yeah. I don't know. And, and I, with Westbrook too, help. that Westbrook, if he won a championship, that would be one of the more unique NBA legacies. Truly, yeah. Like his career really would be good. very, very unique. Um, yeah, I agree. All right, if if the fans tell me to like <laughs> suck it up and stop being, you know, whatever, whatever, then like I will, I will. I'll You're allowed to. I completely get it. No, no, no. It's important to let go. No, <laughs> it's important to let go um all right we got sidetracked here and that's completely my fault um do you have anything else that you want to say about the the maasai presser or anything that's happened in the last you know slightly over 24 hours here uh you know what no i just i think the, the thing with maasai is again I, all i'll say is it, it sucks that we got to hear but at the same time he also has a boss gotta remember that and every time he speaks to the media you just kind of get a softer spot for him so i it sucks for how we got here, but I forgive him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I agree. Like, you know, you can look back at it and say, like, okay, like, mistakes were made. 
but considering considering mistakes were made we're not in like a dire straits you know situation as a as a franchise you know what i mean like with other franchises like gms make mistakes and they end up paying for it for like the next five to ten years we are yeah, still in a good position even in a quote-unquote rebuild where we're not going to be like at the bottom of the nba for multiple seasons or maybe a couple of years but not not like you know what i mean not like the tanking like yeah. we're going to be the worst team in the league for at least the next five years kind of situation like a lot of teams are and i think there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful and i i appreciate Masai for showing us a more you know human side to all of this because i don't yeah. think a lot of people would um let's move on let's talk about just qu quickly i want to mention obviously sad news in the nba um you know uh warriors assistant coach uh dayan milovich i think that's how you pronounce his name i hope i got that right passed away um from a heart attack uh in, that he suffered during a team dinner uh only 46 years old uh survived by his wife and kids really really sad stuff here i mean it it was shocking to learn this isn't somebody i particularly knew a lot about but certainly shocking to hear a a 46 year old you know died of a heart attack like that's really young um the fact that it happened in front of the whole team just from a nba perspective is like really shocking and horrible for them i mean it would be it's horrible for his family first and foremost but yeah really really you know sad stuff there um darko talked about him and their relationship and how they've known each other since their teenage years uh growing up in serbia and being part of the basketball community uh he drew up a play at the start of yesterday's game as a tribute to him it was his play uh which i thought was really touching and really fitting i thought that was a very appropriate a tribute there um yeah nor i just felt like it was you know something to note here because it's like really significant and, and quite shocking no super shocking it was just it, it was out of nowhere i remember the the notification at first and it was just like he had been taken to the hospital and people were still with him and we don't know the details just yet so not sure what's you know what had actually transpired and and you weren't thinking this but you were just hoping for the best at that point because you're again you're 46 years old he's young like he, team dinner like what could have happened at a place where you're surrounded by everybody else and just yeah to hear that and to hear how it happened i have so much empathy and sympathy for his family and having to i'm your team having to watch that as well um i feel for the warriors and everything too and i hope that they can just take the day like are they going to be, are they going to have to play? I'm not sure what the schedule is like, but. Yeah, they, they postponed the up. jazz game, but I don't know about uh, games past that. Let me uh, just Google that real quickly. Um, yeah, no worries at all. Oh, their that. game against the Mavericks has also been postponed. Okay, that's good. So that that's is good. good. So their next scheduled game is uh, Wednesday, the 24th good so they're getting they're having some time to grieve there which is important and that's good of the league to do that because that's yeah. such a wild scenario um yeah you know like i was saying last week on this pod i was talking talking to uh, our friend katie heindel and uh she was just like i i was saying to katie i was like this is the most chaotic season you know warrior speaking you know, I've ever seen, like, I've never seen a team go through this much adversity in one season. And now to go through this on top of that, really feel for them. Like, it, it's just, you know, who knows, like, not that it's the most important topic of discussion, like how they're going to bounce back from this or anything like that. But glad that they're given time to grieve. I actually, if anyone's needed a week off, it's this team. Like, I feel yeah. like this team okay. needs it, you know, and uh, hopefully, you know, they're able to come back, you know, stronger together and all that stuff. But yeah, obviously, you know, our hearts go out to, to his family and everything. I just had to mention it because it was just such a shocking and, and sad thing that happened in the NBA. Um, Okay, let's uh, move on. Uh, I want to talk to you a bit about, you know, as this trade deadline approaches, um, lots of teams who are in a state of frustration, you know, as the Raptors fans have been feeling, right? Like we talked about the Warriors, there's the Hawks, 
the Bulls, you know, Lakers fans are perpetually frustrated no matter what's happening unless they're <laughs> celebrating a championship. Is there a team that you've, you know, outside of the Raptors, this is us finally talking about the NBA here, <laughs> uh, which we usually do at the top of the podcast, but the Pascal news is obviously the biggest news. Um what do you feel like there is a team outside the Raptors that like absolutely 100% needs to make a move before the trade deadline? I I think probably two teams, I would say, to be honest, one in the East, one in the West. Um, you mentioned both of them in the mm. East. I want to say the Bulls. The mm. Bulls have been this team ever since De DeMar got traded there. And they've just been in this limbo of uh, not even a good playoff team, just at like the cusp of a playoff team, but never making it over the hump. And then last year, of course, like we were the reason why they made it up there and uh, didn't really amount to much afterwards as well. And it sucks because you have a ton of talent around you. You know, we know what DeMar DeRozan can do. You have Zach Levine there. And there's been tons of rumors about Zach Levine not being happy and DeMar not being happy. So um, I, per I've been a big believer in a locker room making your court performance better like hmm. i if you look around the league if you look at wherever you know kevin durant has gone or kyrie irving has gone like i think your locker room has to say a lot more than just your your uh your stat sheet does or than just listening your, your your roster does sorry so i think in terms of them being unhappy that should have been taken care of a while ago and that is kind of trickling right. on the court they're not really able to uh put good performances together they don't have the help that they do but at the same time i think the trust factor for that team is just not there anymore and this team has is kind of has been overdue a trade kind of like the raptors for a year and they need to make a move at this point because they really are at a standstill like they're legit i think when i think of middle i think chicago bulls I yeah. think right in the middle is the Chicago Bulls. And to me, it's the worst spot to be because you're not getting better, but you're not getting worse. And you're just, and year after year, it's the same thing over and over with them. So I'm not sure if the, the answer is to get rid of Levine, to get rid of both and um, maybe go younger or to bring in more help for DeRozan or Levine, like one or the other, to pick one. I'm not sure what the answer there is, but something has to be done. It's been way too long for the Bulls to be at this position now. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like, you know, as, you know, as great as DeMar is, I do feel like, you know, and I don't think this is controversial to say, he would be the second or third best player on a championship team, right? Maybe, yeah. And I think, like, you know, the Bulls tried this experiment. It was worth trying. It was absolutely worth trying. I don't think they should have regrets, but it, it hasn't worked. I really want to see DeMar traded to a championship contender. Yeah. Like we haven't seen DeMar make a significant playoff run since he was with the Raptors. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah. since then we've at least seen him in the regular season, get better at hitting clutch shots. Mm -hmm. Right. And he continues to improve his overall game. He's got a really high IQ. I think he would be so valuable on a team that's really making a run like the heat it would be incredible to see him well there's rumors that they're trying to trade kyle we'll we'll get into that yeah but uh <laughs> you know there's rumors that they're trying to trade kyle that would be so funny if they both got traded and they didn't end up playing together but um you know like i think like for for the bulls you know similar to the raptors i think it's time for them to go young and yeah. to me that would be the move um levine is worth trading but his contract is so high it was like the yeah. Westbrook contract it's so hard to move um but I think DeMar would be for them worth moving on from as great of a player as he is and I feel like personality wise and skill wise he's probably the player you would rather keep but I think from like an age perspective and stuff yeah I would love to see DeMar on a team like like the Heat or like I don't know I don't know what other team. I don't think the Warriors have the right combination of things to trade, which is actually why I don't think they were able to make the Siakam trade work. I got out the little trade machine once and I, I was trying to experiment like how they could trade for Siakam because I was like, how do I save the Warriors? You know, like I got caught up in that. And it didn't, the math was not mathing. Like it really was. Like, <laughs> I, I still don't get it. I'm like, you guys are the experts. You guys figure it out. I'm just going <laughs> to think about it and see what happens. And I'll like imagine it. I don't have the. the yeah, the math was like, not. Oh, the trade machine no. makes it really easy. So you don't have to like, 
I have to say the, the, the fan spo trade machine makes it really easy. But uh okay. yeah, but anyway, yeah, I would love to see tomorrow on a team. I absolutely agree. The Hawks are a real like head scratcher for me. Yeah, everyone predicted them to be better this year. They just traded for DeJounte Murray only last year. Um, are they gonna trade him again? Like uh, maybe, like I, at this point, I don't know what they could do to salvage the Trey Young era. I don't know if they're like, I don't know if Trey Young is someone who's going to say, I don't know what went wrong because Trey Young alone with that team was doing so much damage. Like the city of Philadelphia mm. was scared at the sight of Trey Young. That was yes. nuts. And now you're looking at, at this team and they can barely string together more than one win really if anything they're 10th in the conference they're probably going to fall even lower 723 um 1723 on the season and i i don't get it because for me when, when the trade first happened for Dejounte murray to the to the atlanta hawks it just made sense you're like two young guys yeah, they yeah. also fit the timeline so well together and it makes sense because they were supposed to be like the next big team in the east and I'm not sure. I don't think it's a talent thing because they're both just so talented. You saw DeJounte Murray at the Spurs. We know what Trey Young can do. So there's tons of talent there. But I do wonder if there's, again, like a personality clash, right? A locker room issue because the reason why DeJounte Murray was traded from the Spurs was because of his um, personality. I think of more of an attitude problem, really, too. And he wasn't really getting along in the locker room. Oh, I thought and they just traded him so they could tank for Wemby. I, I I think well, maybe a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, yeah, it could be because at the same time too, I'm like you could get Wemby because John Murray is not going to win you games like that. He's just going to help you. <laughs> you know, he's not going to be the guy to be like, yeah, I'm gonna, we're not getting Wemby because of me. Like you're probably going to get Wemby with John Murray on the roster. <laughs> but I think I, I just remember. Um, I forget. I'm going to have to look this up. Maybe I'll find this afterwards. But they were they were there was friction in the locker room with John Murray there, and that's why he got traded. And supposed to be a big thing, supposed to work out. I remember prior to that also, though, Trey Young and the Hawks weren't getting along also. He was having problems with the with the coaching staff. Um, and I, I think, again, like, I wonder if it's just a locker room issue. But those things, I don't know. Because you look at a roster, and again, the same thing with the Bulls. We're like, there's tons of talent. There's so much that you could be doing with all of this. But there's nothing's really amounting to anything. And then I look at the Warriors, like, in the West. Because you got to talk about the Warriors. The mm -hmm. fall from grace we haven't seen maybe unless you're the Raptors. But, again, you weren't, we weren't a dynasty. They were a dynasty. Mm -hmm. And them to get to where they are now, Steve Kerr probably needs, like, a Zanny every single night to go to bed. I feel so bad for him. <laughs> um, and, like, yeah. you got Steph Curry, who is, like, the only really playable dude night after night on that team. Clay Thompson himself came out and said that he's, his body is not what it used to be anymore. Like he's not the splash brother that, that we know him to be. And there might come a point that he might be retiring soon. And the fact that he's thinking of retiring right now, like that's in his mind shows you. Yeah. That he, he talked exactly. about this being the last phase of his career. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, if that's what he's thinking, I don't think he's thinking too much of about his effort on the court, right? Like that's not going to be his priority at that point to help, um, to help Curry dream on. I mean, self-explanatory yeah. he's too busy punching kicking screaming than actually playing basketball and uh we, you know and then you have andrew wiggins andrew wiggins is on and off he's in and out you can never really trust him to be he's very streaky kaminga is having problems with the team they were ready to move him and now they're not going to move him so he's not getting along with steve kerr steve's not, not not getting along with him they're talking about each other in post conferences and and pressers and stuff so it's just it's such a it's again, I think it's a locker room issue and the Warriors are ready to pick a to pick a direction. I have a lot of Warriors friends and they're just they're like, we're at the same spot. But now they're jealous because we made a move. So they're like, we can't they're like, we're in all of you because now it's our turn to finally make them move and be like, you know what, I think the dynasty is over. Let's finally turn the chapter and build up again because Curry, unfortunately, is not gonna win you anything alone in that Western conference. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really weird how, like, you know, different players kind of, you know, th they age at different times, right? And yeah. I think I also, too, you know, for Draymond's, like, kicking and screaming, I also think that's because he 
subconsciously or consciously knows that he isn't the player he once was and is overcompensating yeah. with his quote unquote aggressiveness. And then that's why it went too far. That's, that's my 100%. personal theory. Oh, 100%. you know, I think that's why the Jordan pool incident happened because Jordan pool was calling him out on not being the player that he was and, you know, and, and so on and so on. So, yeah, I mean, I can't, I don't know if the Warriors are going to have the guts to be like the Celtics when they traded Chris Paul or, or sorry, a Paul, Paul Pierce, apologies. Um, you know what I mean? Like, that's like the only comparable that I have, like, like Paul Pierce didn't retire a Celtic and that's kind of wild, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're going to have the guts to do that. Um, Chris Paul's contract is huge. And then er outside of the big three, and then everybody else's contract is so small, like so tiny and good that like, like I actually think that like not wanting to trade Jonathan Kaminga has more to do with the fact that he's on a really good contract than it is yeah, to do with sense. like his, his upside or anything like that. So I, I just think like they're really, they're really at a hark and a rod at a rock and hard place. And uh, I hope they've been filming that last dance doc this year. <laughs> I hope they've been filming it because this is it. This is it. I, I hope not, I actually want to get though. I want to get a ticket to see the Warriors when they're in town. They're in town yeah. in March because I actually think this might be the last time. Do you think Steph stays on the team though or do you think Steph goes elsewhere to get another chip? He would only leave if he asked to leave. Oh. I don't, That's true. I don't think they would ever trade him. I mean, I think the three of them will certainly Steph, but I think the three of them will have statues outside the arena, you know, when it's all said and done. Um, and maybe even Steve Kerr. I don't know if coaches get statues or not, but like, I think, <laughs> I, I think that's the case. And uh, yeah, I think Steve Kerr would have to be like, or sorry, uh, Steph Curry would have to be like, I, I, I want to be, I, I want to be traded. Like, please trade me so I can win somewhere one last I, time. I wonder if he would even he would have that thought like if he sees this team go younger and if he sees them you know start to lose and start to maybe try to go in the draft like get a lottery pick and do whatever like I wonder if that point he's like I'm old enough to be happy with what I've got I have a ton of championships a ton of awards like I've got all these brand deals like I'm okay to just babysit now and and like ride my life out and stay in front with my wife and my kids or are you like Okay, enjoy your team, but I still want to win a couple. And then does he go elsewhere? Mm. Um, and then, I mean, it's, it's Curry. Curry's never going to fall off. Curry's always going to be Curry. He's always going to be a threat no matter how old he is, I think, especially from the perimeter, knowing who Curry is. So I'm like, I wonder I wonder if he would – like, I wonder what his chapter is. Because I think Warriors have – for them, it's very clear that Clay would be gone, Draymond would be gone. Like, th that core would just be kind of dis disband disbandled. Um, but the only person that kind of takes the uh, the reins of their own future there is going to be Curry, as you said. And I just wonder what he would want to do at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's know. fascinating. I have no idea what he would do. They all seem pretty loyal to one another, you know, yeah. especially in light of all the Draymond stuff. Like they all seem incredibly loyal um, to each other because I think there's a lot of reasons to have animosity towards Draymond, but they don't they don't I seem to. Every time he goes and like he holds somebody in a chokehold, he the next day they're dapping up, they're all good. I'm like, damn, they've the loyalty. That's what I want to see. They're really good at it. But yeah, yeah. it's true. And then also like it's the same place that dropped. Like he's played there his whole life. So I think it would just be weird having to leave that just for a couple extra years at the end. You know? I wouldn't be surprised if they just rode this whole thing into the ground. I mean, they're already almost there. I think they might mm -hmm. just ride it into the ground and then and then rebuild from the very beginning. I know that would hurt their um, you know season ticket holders and stuff. Like San Francisco's a really expensive place, yeah. but um, yeah, I just don't. I'd be shocked if it happened any other way. But you're right. Maybe they will make a, a trade deadline move, and maybe we'll see one of those big three uh, move on, and that would be pretty pretty wild. Um, all right, let's move on here. I want to talk a little bit, you know, usually we do NBA and then we do Raptors Homer moment stuff, but it's all been a blur. So this is technically our Raptors Homer moment, even though it was absolutely the first half hour of this of this podcast. <laughs> um, speaking of trade rumors, because that is all the rage at this time of year always is. 
Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Kyle Lowry is rumored to be on the trading block from the Miami Heat. He has had a decline in numbers, although his IQ remains very high. <laughs> Do you think Kyle could be a difference maker on another team? Or is this the moment he comes back home to be a Raptor before he retires? Also, he's going to be looking around and like, Boucher and Jakob Hurdle are like the only people he knows at this point. Like this whole, the whole "I'm going to retire as a Raptor" sentiment does feel a little different now. But what, I was just thinking, I'm like, imagine tonight too. Like Demar's coming. Demar's not going to know a single person, True. not one person, not not even Boucher, because Boucher came here after Demar. You remember did, when right? Demar dunked on Boucher so hard, his soul looked like it oh, left his body. Yeah. Oh Every time Demar gets to us, I'm like, "You'd get him." I'm like, "You'd get us. We deserve it." <laughs> and his daughter. And his point. daughter. Oh, is she at the I game? <laughs> Anytime it's done, I'm like, "It's okay. They deserve it." But yeah, I for Lowry. You know what? I I think you mentioned it. I think his his IQ is always going to be there. I think he would serve as a very good vet on a team, on a young team, maybe on a team that's building. I could even, kind of like how they use uh, Fred Van Vliet with the Rockets, but Fred Mm. Van Vliet's obviously not the same age as, you know, Lowry. But I think in terms of the same, the same kind of leadership qualities that FVV has, so does Lowry. They kind of you got, got him off Lowry anyway. So I see him in that in that scenario. I see him helping out the point guard. I see him kind of running the offense and helping out with that. Um, I just I don't see him going to a contender. I don't see a contender taking him on. At Maybe this point like either. the only like the closest contending team I think would be like this is in line with what you're saying would be like OKC. Like if yeah. OKC was like we want someone who's won a championship on our bench. Oh, and that would actually be a freaking amazing. That would be amazing. And then they day. have like, they have a billion picks, you know, like they have so I many different things that. that they could trade. I only thought of it just now as you were saying it. It's like, oh, you yeah, just like, blew my mind, Catherine. No, you, that would, you, you helped me blow each other's minds. Yeah, that <laughs> we, would be we perfect. We came together in this moment. Because you're right. And in that, like, he doesn't have to do much. All he has to do is guide Shay and just build on that IQ that she she's already such a disciplined player it's crazy mm-hmm. to me that he's that young and he's so like aware of his body aware of his, every move that he makes on the court is so intentional yeah. and just imagine that being kind of looked over by Lowry who we know has always been the engine of any team that he's been on in his in his prime but he's been the facilitator and, and the anchor of the offense so pairing those two together and then you get Shay on the Raptors a little bit later because, you know, now he can come over. <laughs> now he's all molded into be a, the, perfect, the perfect guy. He was trained by Kyle Lowry. That way, Kyle Lowry doesn't have to retire with us. He can just go and build on Shay and then retire with OKC. No problem. Do what you got to do. But then put it into Shay and have to come back to Toronto. And then, you know, bada bing, bada boom. We're boom. championships. Love it. I agree. He probably has one more stop before he signs his 10 day with us Uh, in this. Okay. Let's just do one more, one more topic here before we, uh, before we wrap it up Um, with the Raptors, you know, officially in the barbecue, the BBQ era, it is a mild BBQ, at least for now. I don't know if anyone else is going to be nicknamed spicy or hot sauce or whatever the hell, but in, (laughs) in this current BBQ era, um and with the possibility that the raptors could make more moves before the trade deadline what types of moves would you like to see this team make great question you know um i look at this team now and i feel like i think the one thing that we're missing and i look around the league itself and i think this is the era of like the superstar big everywhere uh-huh, you know you uh-huh, got Jokic uh-huh. you got Embiid you have um who am I missing sorry you have uh Giannis like you have all these big guys who are Jokic, who are Chet yeah Wemby yeah Chet. well yeah like you know like even LeBron I would kind of kind of say he's bigger as well so all these like big guys in the paint just demanding the presence like that's not only are you going up against them but you're defending them and when I look at the Raptors I think we have the offense now well pretty decently right especially after last night like eight threes by Gary Trent after but like two the other night fantastic but I'm looking at them and I'm like I think offensively we can 
we could hold our own, especially maybe months from now when we've gelled together, have more chemistry. I think we can hold our own. I'm worried defensively, but especially defensively mm. now that you've lost OG and you've lost Pascal Siakam, who were your two best defenders on this team. I'm worried about them being able to hold guys like Embiid and Giannis and Jokic and Luka, like to a certain level of points. And I think, again, with guys like Luka and Curry and, and Shea, who are point guards, you can double them, you can triple them, you can kind of make their life hell. But what can you do for guys like Embiid and Jokic and Giannis? And when I think about that, I think we just don't have the the body power to take them on. And I get this is when I get pissed at front office because I think about Jakob Pertle and I think about the first round pick and I think about what we did to get him here. And I'm just like, I don't think he was he should have been the future of our center. Like at no point did that make any sense to me, especially the way the NBA is moving. Like, he's a great player, but Jakob Pertl is not the top 10 center that we were promised. He's not going to right. be the one to hold back Jokic and Giannis and everybody else. Like, he's just not going to be that threat. And I think we need a, a, a really proper center who can also maximize guys like, you know, Scotty and RJ and Emmanuel, especially IQ and Scotty, who are so good at passing that I think as long as they have a big guy in the paint, they can pass that to him. Their assist numbers goes up, his points go up. We were all happy. But I, I think the Raptors really need to look into that center position um, kind of deeply now. That's that's That to me is like the glaring hole that just is the only one that I really want to be fixed. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I don't know if that's going to happen, you know, before the trade deadline or if it's something that's going to happen in the draft or next year. But I agree. I think that like finding that young, versatile big is probably going to be the key to being a contender uh, for at least the next five to 10 years. And I think everybody everybody wants that, you know, quote unquote, unicorn type player. Um, but because there are so many and, you know, I guess Anthony Davis to some degree is also in that conversation, you know, just as we yeah. were naming them off. Like, yeah, I agree. Finding that guy would be, you know, that's who we want, whether he's, you know, like I said, a diamond in the rough, like deeper in the draft, or if there's like a future prospect, like a Wemby that's worth tanking for. Um, but yeah, I think we need to find that person. Uh, I agree. And I think all of us agree that the Yaka Pirtle trade from the moment it happened, it felt weird. Uh, it never I was made being sense. Gaslit. The second it happened, they were like, "No, I think it works." Well, you were also gaslit point. today at Masai's presser because he said <laughs> trading a first-round pick for a starting center is always a good idea. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but he did more or less say that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jakob was traded. So, you know, maybe we get this top six pick back. Who yeah. knows? Right, That's like true. getting this, getting this top six protected pack back is in the cards it is mm -hmm. in the realm of possibility here so we'll have to see what happens with that but yeah i think finding that that great center would be the next move to being able to elevate this young core to the next level but i do feel i i i do feel hopeful and optimistic for the raptors yeah. future for sure at this point um, you know what because i was thinking it might be like the, the salt and pepper era I was like, I don't know if we're going to be even getting any, any seasoning anywhere here. But after last <laughs> night, I'm like, you know what? We, we might be, we could be jerk chicken. I don't know. We, we might be, <laughs> we might be Chipotle. I don't know. There's I different kinds of barbecue out there. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe we're coming around. Like, we could be, you know, super spicy in a couple months, a couple years. I don't know. But right now, I, my expectations were so low that I was like, there's, there's, like, we're not doing anything. I was like, we're just going to be straight up just, you know, hoping for not an embarrassing loss. And then after watching them the first half and watching them maintain that throughout the, the game, I was shocked. Then again, I'm going to hold it together, see what happens tonight. It's very small. Yeah. I mean, I maybe there was a sense of like relief with this team after the Siakam trade. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. You know, too they were joking around. They were like, maybe now these guys are just scared to be traded. So they finally turn it on. They're well, like, they should be today like, after Masai said the word definitely in terms yes. of like more moves. Like, good. Oh Light that fire. Yeah. yeah. Try Go to all the good restaurants now. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment here. Or sorry, not our Homer moment. Our hottie highlight of the week.
you know, I'm getting all my segments mixed up today. Uh, I decided that this week's hottie highlight should go to Pascal Siakam. You know, as we as we say bye and and truly an end of an era here. Uh, I want to ask you, Noor, what is your favorite Pascal moment? Oh, there's so many. You know what? I think I don't think I have. There's so many moments. There's like you know yes. him winning the championship, his personality, everything. But I think one thing that I will, and this is I I went through this today. I was filming a video on Scotty Barnes and. Um, Pascal Siakam and him getting traded and everything. And I was looking for a Scotty Barnes image. Um, you know, just, I, I typed in on Google, Scotty Barnes smiling, just because I wanted <laughs> to get like a nice one of him, you know? And I see it and I see that every single picture he's smiling in. He's with Pascal Siakam Aww. or OJ Nanobi or Pascal Siakam. There's no picture of him alone where he's smiling. He's just, you know, he's he not never, feeling it. He never nope. smiles alone. Never. <laughs> and like, even like, you know, prior to him getting drafted, we knew him to be this like TikTok smiley, happy-go-lucky guy. And the second he got here was just like, you know, Grim Reaper. I'm here to do business and that's it. And then I, whenever I look it up, I, I'm like, okay, Scotty Barnes smiling. Does he smile? And every picture that I see, because I was getting mad. I'm like, I can't crop them out, Scotty. Like, smile on your own. But it's like every single one, it's Pascal with him. It's And and to me, that just shows that it, it reminds me of who Pascal was. This loud, happy, personable, funny guy running around calling everybody beloved, making jokes. Um, I remember him from the, the bench mob era. And in the bench mob era, he was the loudest. He was the funniest. Yes. I think he had the best vibes. And he just, and he was the the heart of that bench mob. He kept them all together. He was friends with every single one of them. And even to this day, I think it's just this personality that I don't know him. I've never met him, but I can tell just from watching it at home and just seeing his personality that he makes everyone around him happier. And I just, I'm just going to miss that. Like watching uh -huh. him on screen and just like really genuinely liking a player for who they are. I, that's, I mean, I'm not going to stop doing that now, but it's just having that guy on, on my team. I think uh, that was my favorite part of Pascal Siakam. Being yeah. proud of having him on my team. Oh, I, I agree. I think, um, for me obviously like the championship you know that just goes without saying and like yeah. you know he him hitting the, that last shot but also that game one in the finals where he just went off incredible incredible stuff i also really love when um he was at the nba store in new york and he found out that he made the all-star team because that mm -hmm. moment really really felt like a dream come true and it was really sweet and also you know what like when you think about his story and how like he was going to become a pastor and like, you know, then he started playing basketball and, you know, we all know like he, you know, drafted late, worked his way through the G League, bench mob, starter, all-star, all-NBA, most improved player. I really feel like Pascal kind of embodies why people love sports and why people 100%. watch sports, you know, because it's like we're seeing sure. people achieve you know the seemingly impossible and and i think that's what makes him really special and i i'll always remember him for that and you know just very grateful for him to uh have been a part of our organization i think if there's any screenwriters out there this is one of the best stories and it's a real I'm a life screenwriter <laughs> i'm not just saying i'm a professional screenwriter outside of this podcast you will be now after this one <laughs> just look at his life i'm like this is like an oscar award winning it's movie true it, casting right? like, pascal would be hard the casting suck oh yeah I mean, but yeah, but you're right be. his his yeah his story could very well be a movie you're absolutely it's right it's so inspirational like if you look at his life at 18 years old in cameroon that had never picked up a basketball to 10 years later now um and g league champion mvp nba champion all-star mip nba um all all, all defensive team like all these things that he's able to do and you're just like 10 years before this he was just sitting in cameroon like another guy yeah and now he is doing and like, you know his peers uh were growing up at one years old touching basketballs they knew what they what they were meant to do their whole life, and he had no idea until the age of eighteen. So, remarkable. We'll always be a Pascal Siakam fan. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, with that, we should uh, we should wrap it up here. Nora, thank you so much for joining me. What a fun episode. What a wild, crazy journey you've been <laughs> on in these last few days. Uh, let us know what you're up to and where people can find you on the internets. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm everywhere. I'm on Twitter at Nora Zainab. It's just right here. Um, you know, but you can mute me. You don't have to follow me. Do whatever you want. I you're I you're an excellent follow, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I I tweet and it might get annoying, so I'm gonna preface with that. But uh, yeah, I anything Raptors NBA, you know where to find me. Just at my Twitter. So I appreciate yes. that. But thanks so much for having me, Catherine. I want you to go enjoy your McFlurry now. Um, it's yeah, I got it. It's point, we're it? we're a little melty right now, but you know, there's some texture. I might put this in the freezer for like half an hour and then Ooh, and then nice. re, yeah, and then eat it. Uh, I just want to let everybody know this is just kind of like a personal programming sort of not programming. Just a note. Uh, it's so funny that you mentioned like, oh, if there's any screenwriters out there, and I'm like, I'm one. Uh, I've written on a show called Late Bloomer. And it's coming Ooh. out, uh, well, I guess when this is out today, January 19th on Crave. Uh, check it out. I'm really proud of this show. It stars uh, YouTube's Just Rain. Uh, he goes by Just Meet Raina. That's his real name. And uh, he wrote a show that's like loosely based on his life. And uh, I'm really proud of it. It's kind of, it's a comedy, but it has some slight dramedy sort of notes to it and uh what? late bloomer yes late bloomer on crave uh there's pictures on my instagram of the premiere that i got to go to on monday which was really fun i i should i need to make a bigger post about it i'm really bad at promoting myself but just everyone needs to watch late bloomer i i need you all to support this show so we can continue making like this quality of content in canada so Put this on, on X, please. I, I need to. I need to put this on X. I do. You I do. do. This is that's so amazing. Yeah. Just rain, crave. You're like, oh, I'm not a professional. Excuse me. <laughs> you could be the one writing Siakam's script tonight. I could. I just... could be. I could be. I should. I should pitch it to his people. Uh, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah. Late bloomer. It's that's out. Awesome. Uh, please watch. Please enjoy. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the podcast. As always, uh, and I will be back next week. Maybe a little less emotional. Definitely with less ice cream. <laughs> and uh, hope you all enjoy your week. Okay. Take care. Bye.